on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. Today's episode is all about women's foil. They've been in Cairo at the weekend and things have turned around. I'm Karen. Hi, I'm Dave. Dave, how are you? And more importantly, how are our supporters? I think I think they're exceptionally good. Um, <laughs> and there's also one more of them, which is great. So, um, yeah, huge, uh, huge shout out and a massive thanks to Linda Peterson. I, I hope that's... Uh, uh, from Germany, so I hope that's how how you pronounce your uh, your name. Thank you, thank you, Linda, and you joined such um, uh, glorious company as uh, Johnny Davis of of GBR and Colin Flynn of Ireland. You guys are all the best people in the world. Thank you to all three of you. Please do go to our Patreon page and uh, send us a dollar, a euro, a pound a month. Uh, every little helps, as some supermarkets say. Uh, look, before we went to Cairo, uh, the qualification standings for the teams in women's foil saw Russia, Italy, USA and France in the automatic qualification spots at the top. Uh, Japan, Canada and Poland picking up their zonal spots. No African team in the Olympic top 16 rankings. So Korea qualified and they benefited uh, as the next best highest ranked team not already qualified i've labored that point for a reason we will come on to that Uh, but the results in cairo well our provisional top four automatic qualifiers filled the top four spots italy coming first from russia france beating the usa to the bronze medal dave no real surprise in women's foil seeing those four teams right at the top right no that's about right uh i don't think anyone was surprised yeah, I mean, just no no surprise uh, from those top four at all uh, up there. So let's go round the zones. Uh, right. First off, the Pan-American zone. I want to say a big shout out to Canada, who had a glorious day. They finished fifth in the team event. That is a cracking result for that young team. And Paul Appsimon is doing wonders. He's, he's, he must have a magic wand in his fencing bag. Yeah, they did. They did well. So they did what they needed to do in the top sixteen. Got a very good win over Hong Kong, comfortably forty four thirty two. Yeah, it's always hard when we've got such a strong uh, four teams in the in the top four. So they got they got hit pretty hard against um, you know, a very strong Italian team. Uh, but then did, did did a fantastic job and, and basically, as far as I can tell, ruined the day of Germany and ruined the day of Hungary, beating them to thirty one and to thirty three. So this is a good team. Yeah, and the, the the key thing here for me is uh, if you if you watch a lot of fencing, it's not going to be news to you. But there is a phenomenon in that team in Jessica Guo. She is what thirteen, fourteen years old, yeah. and she's she has no fear, but she's also an awesome fencer. Yeah, it's, I think it balances that as well because you've got a couple of couple of other you know fairly. Uh, uh, firm heads, you know, Eleanor Harvey's been an absolute superstar. Um, and then combining that with fences with a lot of experience as well, Kelly Ryan and Alana Goldie, that seems like a really good setup. Yeah, and uh, Eleanor Harvey was uh, on giant slaying skills day again in the individual. She she took out uh, Alicia Volpe in the first round of I, the individual competition. I, I always like to see a good 64 beating number one. I think it makes, uh, it was Marcus in Budapest, it always means good things. Yeah, well, fantastic uh, job for Canada, uh, getting fifth, uh, and and really uh, that has to be securing that uh, Pan American spot. 
as long as the USA stay in the top four. But it, that's looking very lightly. So we move swiftly on to Asia. Right, the big thing for me uh, with the Asian zone, Dave, is that China finished in seventh place, one whole round ahead of Japan, who currently occupy uh, that Asian zonal qualification spot. What news there? Are China going to threaten Japan? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're around ahead because they beat them. Um, that was probably the upset of the 16. Um, nice juicy draw. You know, you know, I, I always like it when you get two zonal rivals drawn directly against each other, um, especially in the main part of the tableau. That's probably as close as an upset um, uh, as we got all day. Um, they did, yeah, did well. Uh, long way back, though. I mean, they've you know, it's sort of the first time we've seen them uh, score points. And then I guess what, um, you know, Japan was almost saved by Korea doing uh, doing poorly as well. They got beaten by Hungary in the 16. That was sort of an eighth versus ninth clash, so you could see it going either way. Um, but no one was really there to take advantage of, uh, of Japan losing in the 16. So, look, a simple question. Can China threaten that spot with both Korea uh, and Japan uh, ahead of them? Well, they're a strong team. I mean, you know, obviously headed up by um, another young superstar in Ueno. Um, the thing is, is that sort of this is the first time we've seen Japan slip up. So they were the better team at Zonals. They won. They were a better team at Worlds. They were the better team at Tauber. Uh, I see this more of a blip than a trend. But, but um, we don't have a lot of, you know, it's a quick turnaround. So, I mean, anything could happen. Well, I'm imagining Frank Bourdain would have had a very interesting post-event team talk with the uh, Japanese ladies. Oh, absolutely! And Frank, he knows what he knows what he needs to do. And he's a, fan- a fantastic coach. I was lucky enough to have a good conversation with him in Budapest and what he's doing with the team. Uh, it's um, yeah, they've got a, it's a calm head on the shoulders there. I think I think they'll be all right. They'll be there at their home games for sure. Well, we move then on to Europe. I know that's a bit strange because I haven't mentioned Africa yet, but uh, bear with us on this one. We There is method in our madness. Um, Poland occupying the European zonal spot uh, going into the competition. Uh, they got knocked out in the 16 uh, in Cairo, uh, but both Hungary and Germany made it into the eight. Net effect, Dave? Yeah, again, another another um, another perfect draw for us. So uh, Germany versus Poland um, in the 16. So it's exactly what we want to see. Um, obviously no live stream, so it was hard to work out exactly what went on there. Um, uh, my spies tell me that there was sort of one decisive leg and Julia Wallach had a uh, had a particularly tough, uh, had a tough time of it. But then you've got to look at what everyone does. You know, just because you get knocked out doesn't mean it's the end of the competition. Um, and... Poland recovered, finished ninth. Uh, Germany didn't didn't improve on that, finishing eighth. So the net difference there is only one point. Uh, so didn't really do enough. You know, when you get that opportunity to beat your rival, you want to go on and do better. Hungary had a better day. Um, I think it finished sixth. Um, so they're closing that gap. But so it's both to Germany and to Hungary have got four points, um, only four points behind Poland. So, I mean, this is going to be close. Clearly reliant on France staying in the top four but they've got a pretty healthy gap um, over the Japanese team. So I think that's probably pretty likely at this stage. Um, I think that's what you've you got to say is that it's basically a three-way shootout for that uh, for that European place. Still very much alive in the European zone, that is for sure. And, and just to sort of summarise what Dave is saying, Hungary and Germany are 135 Olympic ranking points, Poland 
just ahead by four on 139. That race is certainly not over yet. So we've left Africa to last, uh, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, Dave, no African team uh, in the top 16 going into the competition. What happened in Cairo and how has that affected uh, Korea's chances of going to the Olympic Games as the additional team uh, not already qualified? Yeah, I don't think we've spoken about it too much. It's it's The reason why we talk about the 32 early is the difference between making the top 16 and making the, and losing and, and only making the top 32 is significant. So you only get eight points if you finish um, in the in, in the 32 if you lose that match. Uh, but if you win that match, at worst, you'll get 18 points. So it, it's 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 material. Um, there were 17 teams, only 17 teams, and this is relevant in Cairo. Um, Egypt came in as the 17th team and lost, so finishing 17th, only got eight points. But we were missing a lot of teams. So, you know, no Singapore, no Austria, who you'd normally expect to see. Um, probably on the outside, Chile or Romania. You know, these are good teams with a chance of winning and scoring points. So as a result, they sort of dribbled into the into the 16. So they're now, you know, inside the 16 and now taking a place away from uh, from Korea who, who had that extra place um, after the World Championships. Right. Well, let's not mince our words here. Are Egypt going to stay in the top 16? The FIE ranks 17. It's it's a funny one. Um, the answer is maybe. If if teams are not entering, you know, if we're not seeing some of these teams that would leapfrog them going to World Cups, then sure. And if the rumour is true that there's going to be another women's uh, women's foil event in, um, in Cairo for the, the World Cup that's currently the TBD and it's the last event of the season and all those teams don't turn up because they don't qualify or can't qualify and it's expensive and hard and all of that, then, yeah, it's real. Um, I was shocked when actually when I saw the entry list. I thought, um, you know, this this must be a mistake. But, yeah, a couple, a couple of key teams and if we're only getting 16 teams entering, then I guess by definition they'll be in the 16. Well, uh, just just to sort of clarify this, uh, this situation, I was in uh, Cairo, uh, not so long ago, for the Veterans World Championships, which is spectacular, a brilliant uh, uh, country hosting a brilliant tournament, possibly the best. Most of the veterans said it was the best uh, show. Uh, the showcase was brilliant. Oh, it looked fantastic. It looked and really it, good. It, really was, it looked as good as a Grand Prix. Good live did. stream as well. Of course, you have to say that. <laughs> I, I was commentating. <laughs> Maybe it was better when I wasn't. But anyway, the, the, the point I'm making is that, that a lot of the teams told me in Cairo at the Veterans that they weren't flying with their strongest teams at that World Championships because of some of the security fears right. about Cairo. Now, the reason I say that, I don't want to start getting into politics or anything like that, but the reason I say that is that perhaps because it was in Cairo was because some of those other teams didn't turn up. Uh, do, you, do you expect them to turn up at the, the European events or the, the, the ones in the, in the USA? I think so. I mean, I can't remember the last time Singapore didn't enter a team. Um, you know, they've had a, they've had a women's foil program since when I was a child. They came down to... A, Australia Defence Hour Under-17 events. Um, you know, they've never been shy of travel. I'm, I'm, I'm astonished. I'm truly astonished. 
Well, I suppose the the question will continue, but uh, Egypt are in the top 16. So after uh, the World Cup in Cairo, uh, the top four remain the same. Russia, Italy, USA and France. Uh, Japan, Canada and Poland are joined by Egypt in the zonal qualification spots. So we move on to the individual tournament before uh, the competition in Cairo. Uh, Leonie Ebert of Germany and Fanny Kreis of Hungary held the two European spots. The two Asian spots were with uh, Chen Qinghuan of China and Chung Kim of Hong Kong. The one African spot was with Ines Babakri of Tunisia and the one Pan-American spot was with Saskia van Erwin. Garcia of Colombia. In Cairo, Ariana Erigo was back at her very, very best. The Italian winning the competition. Uh, a massive uh, name in the top two, though. She from China picking up the second spot. Uh, Di Francesca back again. Uh, and I, I, I got to say, I spoke to her at Budapest at the World Championships. She said it's taken her a long time after uh, coming back from giving birth to get her footwork right. At the World Championships, she certainly did have her footwork right, and indeed at the European Championships, uh, which she won. And she was uh, on the podium in bronze medal position with Isora Tibu of France. So Dave, how does that affect our situation with the individuals? And let's start with Asia and she coming second. Is she threatening? Ah, oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, wasn't that out of nowhere? I mean, the same, the same way the teams is very concentrated at the top. You know, the individuals is also typically pretty concentrated at the top with, you know, your same old, same old names, which is great because it's, you know, it's about as good fencing as I've ever seen. So to see, yeah, absolutely, a 20-year-old Chinese fencer um, that was certainly a fair way off my radar uh, coming in for a silver medal um, is phenomenal. And and now is literally five points behind her uh, compatriot Chen, um, who had a pretty good day as well. I, I won't, you know, got to admit, you know, finished in the in the 16. Uh, but, you know, big points for, for medals. Uh, now there's uh, there's now literally only a round in it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, look, I, I have to say that uh, Xi Yu of China is someone that I, I've seen uh, develop over the last 12 months. I think the biggest shock is how fast mm. she's overtaken the rest of the Chinese team. Uh, uh, Huo Jingjing is, was one of the Chinese athletes to look out for, for making a potential 32 maybe. Uh, but she's come on uh, so well over the last 12 months and clearly from the summer as well. Uh, done, gone back to the training ground and, and really uh, put things on. I, I haven't actually been able to watch the fight because, as you say... Um, yeah, no live stream. <laughs> there was no live stream, so it makes it impossible to know how she was fencing. But uh, to come second and and, and having beaten uh, you know the likes of Di Francesca and Tibu in the semi-final proves that uh, she's something very special. I think the interesting thing out of the Asian zone as well is that now we're talking about this as the second place. Because obviously Egypt being uh, in the teams means that that Korean uh, so Jeong has to take the uh, has to take that first Asian slot, which is not good news if you're um, uh, Kimberly Chung from from Hong Kong, right? Who's basically yeah. out there a um, couple of points ahead of Amita Berthier from from uh, Singapore. If if Egypt take that um, zonal place, it's 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 too far for those sort of contenders, and they'll be all off at the uh, zonal qualifier against each other. It's materially different. 
and all because Egypt are in that top sixteen. It's it's it fascinating mm. how how that has affected the individuals and and in particular uh, for uh, Asia because you know uh, Jun Hee Suk, uh, who is uh, you know one of the very best fencers out there, the world number eight, I think at the moment. Yep. Um, if Korea don't qualify, she is going to the Olympic Games as an individual for sure. Yep. Um, and it does it does mean that there's only one extra place. So interesting story there. So now Asia are cheering on everyone that's fencing against Egypt at these competitions. It's uh, fascinating how Olympic qualification works. So let's move on to uh, the Pan Am region. I've checked the results a few times, Dave, and I, you know I'm getting old, and you know my eyesight's not that great anymore. But I didn't see Saskia Van Irving Garcia on the results list for Cairo. No, no, not there. <laughs> what, what? What? Why? Why is she not attending the event? Yeah. Oh, she's qualified. Basically, um, there's just no one chasing her. Uh, I mean, uh, like, even if you've qualified, surely you want points to improve your ranking to like, I I don't know I just, I just don't, I don't have an answer it's bizarre I, I'm, I'm I'm look again it could be security yeah, yeah. it could be the cost of getting to yeah. Africa from Colombia and you know I know that's not going to be a cheap flight but it is pretty stunning I mean yes you're right she's she's qualified is, is there anyone anywhere near her oh god you're gonna make me get the spreadsheet out for that one uh... I'll go with I'll go with a no <laughs> then on that. So she she's there. Um, okay, so we move on to the African zone. Uh, Ines Babakri uh, holding the African place going into the tournament, uh, but she didn't have a great day. Uh no. Uh, out in the um, out in the sixty four. Uh, yeah, tough. I mean, good to make good to make the sixty four, but I mean, women's foot's hard. Gosh, there's so many good teams, so many good fences out there. Um. But you know, not a lot, not a lot of competition, and especially uh, removing those uh, those Egyptian fences. But I mean, even if you, even if even if Egypt came back, she'd be what fifteen points ahead of Hani. Yeah. I don't really see anyone. Uh, I don't see anyone coming in. Uh, so I'll give you an official answer. Sassia is twenty one points ahead of a Venezuelan fencer, so I think she'll be. <laughs> I think she'll be fine. <laughs> I think she'll be fine. Well done for being so diligent there for, <laughs> uh, for Pan Am. Uh, but but going back, going back to Africa, uh, in this Bakri, I think uh, I think maybe actually trying just to peak for the Olympic Games. So actually, results right now aren't as crucial for her as perhaps we might think oh she's she's yeah very experienced fencer she knows what she needs to be doing um oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her at the olympics i think she could uh she's one of those fences that could really upset someone's day yeah she could do some massive damage that's for sure okay so that's uh asia pan am and africa dealt with uh now the easy one uh europe <laughs> um Leonie Ebert uh, and Fanny Christ in the spots going into the competition. Christ going out in the round of 96, didn't even make the 64. Ebert going out in the round of 64. And there was another... Well, I've got to be honest with you, a name I have not uh, seen uh, up on the list. Uh, another European that did very well indeed, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. So Maria Diaz uh, from Spain had a phenomenal day. So finished in the uh, finished in the top sixteen, and and she's putting some real pressure on now. Um, so uh, Fanny Christ still in the 
in the second uh, European uh, zonal position, but now only 1.75 points ahead um, of Diaz from, from Spain. So that's getting, that's getting real close. Look, right, uh, Leonie Herbert is, uh, she didn't have a great day at the competition, but she's a, a long way ahead. She's on 68 points. So she's still in that top European spot. Funny Christ holding that uh, second spot. And I've got to say that having watched uh, Christ over the last eight years or so, I've seen her develop as a as a very very uh, competent fencer on the piste. She was very young when she first came into seniors, but now she's a much more rounded athlete. I haven't seen Diaz, and being so close, one point seven five points away, is the difference between uh, what uh, a sixty four and a thirty two. Yeah, exactly. It's um. I think the point as well to note is that um. Diaz is using all five results to get there, uh, whereas Chris is only using four. So, but right. I mean, Diaz's worst result that she'd have to replace is only 0.5 of a point. Right. So, but yeah, it is, it, it's, it's very close. It's really close. And these, you know, big results getting deep into the tableau uh, will make all the difference. It's, uh, it's very impressive. It's very, very cool. We're going to be watching this right to the end. Yeah. And, uh, we should mention Anne Sauer of Germany as well, just uh, 3.25 points behind Diaz as well. So she's still in that running as well. So um, after uh, Cairo, the situation is it's John Hee-Suk, whose Korean team have now been pushed out of qualification by Egypt, making it into the top 16 in the team event, sitting at the top of the Asian qualifiers, along with Chen Ki-Huan of China. Uh, Inis Babakri holds the African spot. The Pan-American spot is with the absent Van Irvin Garcia. Uh, and Leonie Ebert is leading the European race with Fanny Kreis of Hungary. Uh, Dave, it's been a fascinating weekend in women's foil and the story will continue. But uh, we've asked our audience to get involved with the podcast. And, uh, well, they really have sent a lot of questions uh, and it, on the various platforms, which I'm sure you'll mention in a minute. But there was a standout question for me because of who it came from. Uh, coach Magro, the uh, Italian uh, foil coach, has asked why Egypt are in the qualification places when they are ranked outside the top 16 on the world ranking list. Dave, you're the geek of all geeks when it comes to fencing. Why is that? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think this is the key for everything we're doing here. So there's an FIE ranking. That's the rolling ranking. You know, the first competition of the season replaces the first competition of last season and it's just it's constantly going. All we're looking at is competitions inside the Olympic period. So that's a qualification period from April to April. If it's not in that, we don't we don't care. You might have a high FIE ranking because you won a competition before, maybe you won a GP before, but that's not going to help you directly. It'll help you indirectly from having a good seed, obviously, but it's not going to help you from going to the Olympic Games. So whilst you know we look at that and go, oh, Egypt is 17th in the world on the FIE rankings, they actually do. Uh, they actually do come into the top sixteen if we only look at the competitions that count for Tokyo. And that's really important. And a, and a key thing here, Dave, and I think you know, there's some very important people who know a lot about fencing, and uh, they still can't get their heads around this situation. The key thing here 
is that because we have a rolling ranking system in international fencing for the world rankings, which is fine, there's nothing wrong with that, but because we have that, the Olympic rankings don't necessarily match up with those world rankings because some of the events happen in one season and some of the events happen in another season. So qualification takes place effectively halfway through uh, the season before the Olympics and the other half comes from uh, the season that the Olympics falls in. So that's why we've got to uh, kind of ignore the world rankings temporarily yep. uh, to get our Olympic rankings. But the other the other thing is um, that if you, if you like, if you want to go h- home and have a look at this and, you know, be as much of a geek as Dave, uh, you, you basically <laughs> start everybody on zero yep. points in April of 2019 and then you just add up the points that they score between then and April 2020. Yep, it's a real race. That's what you do. Well, there you go. So a great question from Coach Magro. Thank you very much for your questions. And, th- and thank you uh, to all of you for being so involved in, in what we're doing. We hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Dave, Women's Foil marches on. And there's another event, I think, this side of Santa visiting everyone's house. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they've got another World Cup um, in Saint-Maur in, um, in France. And that is uh, the 13th to 15th of December. Another weekend with three events on, and uh, that uh, weekend also includes that Tokyo 2020 test event in men's foil. That'll be a lot of fun. Certainly will. Well, thanks to you, Dave, and thanks to all of you for listening. It's a triple header for us uh, this week. Uh, We're recording episodes separately for Men's Epe, which happened in Bern, for Women's Foil, which you're listening to right now, and for Women's Sabre in Orléans. So if you fancy uh, getting an update on Epe and Sabre, listen to the other two episodes that will be released with this one. Thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon. (laughs) 